Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This episode is brought to you by my course, Rest Assured. If you've been struggling with falling asleep, or staying asleep, or just not waking up feeling well-rested, you've come to the right place. Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia, or CBTI, is the gold standard intervention in the management of insomnia. Rest Assured is a digital course that walks you through CBTI, step-by-step, with everything you need to succeed. Each of the six weekly modules guides you through some important background information for the different techniques, explores the evidence-based techniques in detail, provides multiple examples of exercises so you can find the one that works for you, and reviews the work you've completed since the last module. And rest assured, it's just not another DIY left to your own devices, but rather, you get direct access to me, a board-certified sleep physician in twice-monthly office hours, where you can ask me face-to-face any questions you may have about the course material. So check out www.wellrestedmd.com slash RA to learn more. That's wellrestedmd.com slash RA. Or just head to the homepage and click on courses to learn more. Enjoy the episode. Hey there, friends and neighbors. You're listening to the Well Rested Podcast, episode number 45, The Nature of Thoughts. I'm your host, Dr. Joshua Lennon. Have you ever just wanted to flick a switch to turn off your mind because those incessant thoughts are keeping you awake? In this week's episode, I discuss the nature of our thoughts and how to relate to them in a way that facilitates getting to sleep soundly and without interference. We can be frequently overcome by the chatter between our ears. Modern life necessitates a great deal of thinking, which is what our minds do best. While we have been freed, for the most part, from the daily challenge of newly finding shelter or food or water as our great ancestors did, there is still much in the way of survivalist thinking we must engage in. Housing and how to pay for it is on the minds of many. That SNL Zillow sketch is not based on any fiction. Housing insecurity afflicts far more Americans than one would think should be in the 21st century. But even those of us with a roof over our heads, many still grapple with intense desire for more, better, prettier, better decorated, more features, more space, better neighbors, House envy is stronger than ever, part of the drive for the recent housing bubble inflation. Even with flush bank accounts and 20 local grocers to choose from, meal planning still requires forethought. Who to feed and what and how much, juggling different dietary needs of different age groups, different dietary preferences, understanding that you can't satisfy everyone all the time. Not to mention, the ongoing calculation of when you have to drop what you're doing to get the planned food actually prepared and on the table without triggering a domino effect of delays for the rest of the night. While modern workers are even more efficient than just a few years ago, more and more are taking their work home or working longer hours, thanks in part to the ever-connected hallmarks of email, texting, and other forms of social media to keep you ever-tethered to your work. Raising children, despite all the conveniences of the 21st century, is increasingly difficult without an engaged village to share some of that weight, never more obvious than this past year in the disproportionate effects of the pandemic and lockdown on moms and single parents especially, juggling the role of Zoom school coordinator on top of every other duty. Toss in the ever-expanding litany of social obligations, birthdays, anniversaries to remember, replying to that text you got three days ago and keep intending to respond to, and the increasingly divisive and destructive nature of our political and social landscape, and there is no shortage of fodder for our minds to ponder. So it should be no surprise that one of the most common complaints I hear in the sleep clinic is in regards to mind racing. That when elaborating on why they can't fall asleep, some iteration of 
can't stop thinking or racing thoughts or being unable to turn off their mind, some version of mind racing is almost always the response. And this is completely understandable. How could one possibly zone out and fall asleep when the mind is so active? And in some cases, the most active it ever gets across the 24-hour day. When the mind is actively engaged in thinking, you will have a hard time falling asleep or falling back asleep if this thinking machine interrupts your regularly scheduled sleep programming. We've talked about tackling this problem several times before. Back in episode 2, we discussed the relationship between an active mind and insomnia with or without a component of anxiety. In episode 6, we discussed the role that physical activity can have in improving mood and anxiety in addition to improving sleep. In episode 7, we looked at our relationship to our sleep in regards to thoughts of guilt or shame, that when unwanted or automatic negative thoughts emerge, an approach of self-compassion can be quite helpful. Similarly, in episode 8, we discussed the wise approach, that sometimes things happen, like a mind that can't turn off, that are not fully under our control, and a balanced view that you can't control everything, but also that everything is not meaningless, that a wise person appreciates that there are things in one's life dials to tweak that have an influence on the factors in our lives even though we can't fully control them. In episodes 9 and 10, we explore these topics more deeply, both how we fall into the trap of overactive minds when we want to be asleep, as well as insights to help us climb out of those traps. In episode 16, and again last week in episode 44, we talked about some behavioral approaches to this problem of the active mind, that when the right conditions are habituated, A quiet mind can be automated through simple, blunt repetition of healthy, skillful sleep habits. In episode 17, we saw how practicing gratitude reduces the noise coming from the amygdala, this reptilian, high-strung emotional center of the brain, from which much mental chatter emerges. How nightly exercises in expressing gratitude help to reduce the activity of this part of the brain and the mental chatter that it produces. In episode 24, we elaborated on this concept of mindful attention introduced in episode 10, that proactive, intentional mental activity actively suppresses the unintentional mental activity. Not that it goes away or should disappear, but the simple notion that time spent in the mental gym yields clear results of mental fitness. In episode 27, we reviewed how easy it is to get sucked into a downward spiral of ruminating disaster as we try to think our way into falling asleep. But this act itself, the trying to sleep it, that ends up being the exact cause, preventing its own realization. As a countermeasure, I discussed a simple process of appreciation, acceptance, self-compassion, getting clear on intentions and values-based goals, and accommodating those values with the conditions that best support you living the life you want to live. In episode 29, we practice an exercise in meta, the Pali word for benevolence or loving-kindness, an exercise in expanding the circle of concern, an exercise not to distract from the internal chatter, but to focus it. And that practicing compassion helps not just with getting to sleep, but alleviates other symptoms of burnout. In episode 30, we revisited this wise serenity prayer notion from episode 8, in reinforcing your internal locus of control, that even when applied to things that are frustratingly spontaneous, like that mind that won't turn off, that a wise approach with a strong sense of an internal locus of control will provide you the key ingredient to living the life you want to live. Episodes 31, 32, and 33 all introduced several methods for addressing this activity of the mind as we approach desired sleep time. 
In episode 31, we discussed the flight path, the gradual descent in activity, including mental activity, that the use of funnels, like writing, including to-do lists, already did-it lists, lists of things you're thankful for, and my favorite, a good old-fashioned brain dump. Episode 32 reviewed the RAIN approach of recognize, allow, investigate, and non-identification, an echo of the approach from episode 27. Episode 33 reinforced the environmental impact as well as our behavioral impact, and then engaging in things like massage, stretching, yoga, and breathing exercises go a long way in manifesting the prime bodily state for sleep, making it easier to drag the mind into the same relaxation. A similar approach was emphasized in episode 36 using progressive muscle relaxation to facilitate that bodily state of rest, relaxation, and preparedness for sleep. And finally, last week in episode 44, we discussed how when certain dysfunctional beliefs about sleep derail our chance of a good night's rest, a great approach is to address them head on. Not to prove you're wrong about everything, not to feel ashamed, but to gain insight and hold on to beliefs that serve you well, and drop the ones that don't. So today, I think it's important to tease out the nature of thoughts themselves, and that perhaps with a different understanding of our mental chatter, we can relate to it with a bit less friction, and not feel so caught up in it to the point of missing out on those vital Zs. As you just heard, this topic of our thoughts at night, in the bed, in the minutes leading up to bed, in the morning after waking, it is undeniable that our thoughts affect our sleep. And the more cognitively, emotionally aroused we are, the more difficult it can be to get to sleep. But in many of these examples, I've shown that just like your circadian rhythm, your thought patterns too are malleable. They are adjustable. In fact, it is a series of small adjustments over a lifetime that got us into trouble in the first place. And just as simply, a different, more skillful, wise series of adjustments will get us out. And this is because of the nature of thoughts. Thoughts are these bubbles of mind information, emerging, merging, and disappearing spontaneously. Directed thoughts are quite helpful in solving problems, like an equation. Undirected thoughts can too. The so-called eureka moment phenomena. When inspiration suddenly strikes at seemingly random moments, thoughts just come, whether you ask for them or not. And thoughts not only just erupt, even at random, but their contents are not by definition true. There is no guarantee that any thought is exactly true. For example, close your eyes and picture in your mind a yellow elephant with pink polka dots. Do you see it? The problem is, that creature does not truly exist. There are no real elephants that are yellow with pink polka dots, but the power of our minds can create them. Just as the mind can create characters and stories, it's not like Harry Potter was ever a true living boy before J.K. Rowling had the thought in her head. It is the nature of thoughts that they are not required to be true. They don't have to be real. You can have thoughts on what the weather may be like on your next birthday, or 100 birthdays from now. Those thoughts are real, and you may even be pulling data from a lifetime of memories and experience, and maybe even a keen understanding of meteorology. However, that doesn't mean that the content of those thoughts are actually true. Thoughts are just thoughts. Sometimes they are true. Sometimes they are silly. Sometimes they're frightening. Sometimes they are bland and boring. But there is nothing about thoughts that makes them inherently true, just because they exist. There is no mental mandate 
that only true thoughts are allowed to exist. You are not required to think only valid and helpful things. Thoughts are just thoughts. Many of the keen insights from contemplative practices reflect this very thing, that thoughts spontaneously occur. Sometimes they are helpful, sometimes they are harmful, and sometimes they are neutral. But the existence of a thought does not guarantee its veracity. This appreciation that thoughts are just thoughts makes the next point a lot easier. You do not need to identify with a thought just because the thought was in your head. You are not your thoughts. You don't need to feel fused with every one of your thoughts just because you were the one who thought it. To the contrary, one of the hallmarks of psychological well-being is defusion from one's thoughts. That you have a mind, but you are not your mind. In fact, noticing the noticer, recognizing that there are thoughts in the first place, is revolutionary, literally mind-blowing. One exercise here is something called leaves on a stream. There are several versions of this, but one simple visualization trick is to imagine a stream or brook or gentle river. As flotsam and jetsam get in the water, the current slowly pulls them downstream. So if you imagine standing on the shore, on the bank, you'll occasionally see some leaves on the stream passing by. No prior knowledge of the leaves, suddenly they just appear in your field, carried temporarily across your spotlight of attention, and eventually disappear from view, out of sight, out of mind. So as you stand there watching the mental stream in your mind's eye, every time a thought pops up, simply pick up and place that thought on one of these passing leaves, and watch as the thought, which popped up spontaneously, without interference or clinging or aversion, will simply meander downstream and disappear on the leaf. Until the next thought bubbles up, then place it too on a leaf and watch it gently follow the current and disappear out of view. Thoughts are just thoughts. They are not you. You can detach a thought from your existence as a person, place that thought onto a leaf, and watch it fade away. You don't have to be permanently attached to every single thought. Dr. Stephen Hayes, the man behind ACT, or Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, has a whole bunch of helpful methods for defusing from our thoughts, to better appreciate this nature of our thoughts and not feel as beholden to the little dictator in our heads. Because when the mind is running amok, when thought after thought after thought keeps popping up, whether you'd classify it as mind racing or nonstop mind crawling, wanting to turn off your mind so you can sleep is a very common experience. So to summarize, our thoughts are tricky little things. They are the engine of ideas and communication and nearly every wonderful thing about what makes us human. But thoughts can also get in the way. From jealous anger to paralyzing self-doubt to delusions and paranoia. And more often than you think, because you are absolutely not alone in this, thinking will get in the way of sleeping. It does not require anxious or racing thoughts for an active mind to interfere with getting some shut-eye. Spontaneous thoughts, especially automatic negative thoughts, can not only make you feel out of control of your own mind, but being over-aroused makes transitioning right to sleep nearly impossible. In fact, this is one of the most common issues I hear from patients. Either, why can't I turn off my mind? Or, I want to get to sleep but can't because my mind won't let me. That's why I've addressed the issue in nearly two dozen episodes so far, and there are multiple ways to navigate this problem skillfully to achieve both peace of mind and ultimately a decent night of sleep. 
from de-arousing habits, environmental and behavioral management, activities like massage, yoga, progressive muscle relaxation, breath work, and directed focus practices like gratitude, compassion, writing lists, or writing a brain dump. And these approaches help to deflate this notion of thought as king, that not all thoughts are true just because you thought them. And more importantly, that you are not your thought. That taking a step back and observing the observer, it is clear that you have a mind, but you are not your mind. You have thoughts, but you are not your thoughts. And you are not defined by your worst thought or your best thought. And learning to diffuse from your thoughts, to have a more flexible acceptance and ultimately more self-compassionate approach to your thoughts will not only turn down the volume of mental chatter, but will help you get that good snooze you deserve. I've got a little freebie for you, so if you head over to wellrestedmd.com day, you can get a free cheat sheet to a day in the life of the well-rested, including some specific best practices to get that good snooze. That's wellrestedmd.com D-A-Y. Be sure to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player to get all the latest episodes. Leave us a review and head over to wellrestedmd.com for more information. Thanks for listening.